We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 277 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Uh, the wheel has stopped. The Bears momentum, the need to dig into the minutia, all yep. of it. It has come to a dead stop here on the holiday weekend. We hope it was a lovely Thanksgiving with you and yours, a football week that uh, scratched all itches. Uh, it surely did here as the Moose and Runes parlay does come through for you on the holiday. Uh, we Nailed got plenty it. to get to here. We're going to come at this uh, NFL week a little bit different. We're actually going to come at Chicago sports with a little bit of buy and sell and get off of maybe just a strict game recap here on the Bears. It will all come to the surface in due time. But first and foremost, Matt Rooney, how are you? You know, I'm doing well. It was a. Uh... I, I love the chance to see Justin Fields play every Sunday, but in all honesty, just not he, not him not playing was almost kind of a refreshing <laughs> way to worrying. take it. Yeah, just, I don't have to worry about him getting hurt. I don't have to worry about really – I, I watched the Bears for the most part. I, I flipped between that and red zone for a little bit. It was just kind of a nice, like, stress-free Sunday. Like, I watched nice the first drive, and that was nice to see Chase Claypool go up and get a ball over Sauce Gardner. Like, that was cool. They played well early and then they started losing. I was like, all right, you know what? I'm good. Like, I'm just going to watch red zone now. And that was, that was fun. Well, was and not fun, but it was I nice. Think it's something, I, I, and I know you're sort of making light of it and putting it in jest, but I think it, it comes from a place of um, a, a real emotion that you know, that you have your quarterback, you yes. know, and if, if it was, if we did not um, have Justin Fields, I would not be feeling that way. It's this weird confluence of events of knowing you have your quarterback, but also knowing that there's nothing out there for him or for us this season and that the uh, prospect of him hurting himself on the most dangerous playing surface in the NFL at MetLife Stadium is something that we avoided. I'm completely mm -hmm. there with you. Uh, it was in the rain. It cost us what could be Eddie Jackson for the season. It cost us Darnell Mooney yeah, for geez. the season. Um, it, it was a, it, we did not get out of there clean in terms of uh, the Chicago Bears and what they look like moving forward. But like broad strokes here, Matt, that was the emotion of last week. There's still a lot of football season left here as we had in a week 13. Um, you're still looking at about a month and a half of football here for the Bears and for a lacking roster that's now depleted even further. So I, I know we want to come at this from a buy and sell standpoint here when it comes to Chicago sports on the podcast today, but I do, before we go there, sure. just want to sort of lay it out in front of you of like, what is, what does the rest of the Chicago Bears season look like in your mind's eye? Best case scenario, what are, what are your interests? I don't even want to call them rooting interests, but what are your interests in this team over the next month and a half? You know, it's, it's, I hate to be that guy and say it's this, a tough, but, it's a tough but, spot though, but best case scenario is they end up with the number two pick. Like that is the best case scenario for this team going forward long-term as much as I want to see them win, like want to see the bears win football games in the moment when I'm watching it. I don't have a doubt that, you know, next year and the year next year where the team takes a step forward, where I, I mean, unless something serious happens, they're not a Super Bowl team quite next year. They're, you know, a step forward type playoff team. That's when I kind of want to see them start winning football games. This year is you know, this the rest of this year is even more so about watching the individuals and seeing what's back next year, because they're going to have a 
whole bunch of turnover and it's a good thing they have a lot of salary cap to do it and they're going to have a whole bunch of picks to do it with too but like there's me a whole bunch of turnover but i want to see like hey is braxton jones getting better at left tackle obviously you can't put on 20 pounds in the season which is what he did i've been saying it forever it's what he needs to do in the offseason but is he you know is his technique against the bull rush getting getting a little bit better is he you know giving himself a better chance to doing that is jack sanborn a guy that while he's not a you're, you're ever going to be your star linebacker is he a guy that next year can come back as a starter maybe it will or something you know, in the middle whatever is he is he a piece that comes back as a starter next year is kyler gordon going to keep getting better in coverage and you know he plays the run really well we stop seeing those lapses sometimes in coverage like that's what i'm watching here i'm, I'm watching for the individuals for the people pieces that either a i think are for sure a part of the future next year or seeing can they be a part of the future next year tevin Jen- or tevin jenkins another guy like can these guys keep getting better and, and progressing because as bad as the overall roster is there is for sure pieces that are you know notably important for the future and you want to see take the next step to prove themselves worth being back next year yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I'm going to be really dialed in on this defensive line because there's just like nothing there. Um, there's there's no pass rush. I no. think that's putting a lot of stress. Juan Brisker leads the team in, sta- in sacks. Yeah, it, it's um, that's going to be the place where through draft, free agency, trade, whatever it may be, this team really needs to address some needs that, and obviously the offensive line. But um, it's it's a weird spot as a Bears fan to just. I mean we're at a point where we're almost um, looking to fast forward it to week 18 and say, thanks for yep. playing. Uh, hopefully every, everybody comes out uh, relatively clean and that you feel like you have taken steps forward. One thing that I will sort of um, push back on here and like, I'm not, sure. I'm not here to suggest that the bears should be an NFC favorite or a top four favorite next year. But I think the notion of, the NFL rebuild has changed over the last half decade. I mean, look at, and I know it might be the exception to the rule, but look at Cincinnati, I believe four mm-hmm. wins before last year for a four win season and then representing the AFC. So it's no longer like turning around a 16 wheeler. Like you can make the right moves. You can put the pieces in place. You can build some belief when you have the right coach, when you have the right quarterback, when you have, um, a pass rush and a defense mm-hmm. who can take the ball away. Like you need to check the big boxes. And I think a lot of the little things fall in place and uh, the bears have both big and little boxes to check. So I, I like I said, I don't think I, this turns around I will, quickly, but I think I that, will totally I think that agree we can be that. a competitive, I think we'd be a competitive playoff team. I say with mm-hmm. a question mark at the end of it next year, um, whether that be coming out of the division pending who green Bay's quarterback is yeah. and, what Minnesota looks like or uh, how an early exit out of the playoffs, which I think is inevitable. I I might bite my tongue here, but um, how that affects them as a team and as a franchise. So a lot of moving pieces, plenty to be enthused about, not a whole lot to be excited about. And it's going to be a weird month and a half, I think is where, where I'm at with this bears team right now. Yeah, I, I fully agree with what you said. And I, I, I maybe I didn't want to phrase that wrong. Of course, next year, if the bears have a good off season and come back, we saw with the Bengals, anything can happen. You sneak in the playoffs. Of course, if you have a great quarterback, you can get yourself to a Super Bowl and anything can happen. I'm just just talking about strictly in terms of like expectations for next year. There's not an offseason, I think, that's going to make the Bears, you know, favorites in the NFC. But is there an offseason that can make them compete with anybody in the NFC? Especially with, I mean, as, as good as the Eagles have looked at times, right I don't now. think they're this team that's like head and shoulders above everybody else and going to be that much head and shoulders yeah. above everybody else. So, yeah, of course, they can't. I'm just talking about, I was talking about in terms of we're not coming into next year saying the Bears are. 14 and three and in your nfc home field advantage that's uh, that's kind of all i meant and and, and you know i mean 
And Actually, you know, we'll this podcast, we probably will say that when we go through the schedule next year. <laughs> we go through it for the first time. Um, you know, you know, we'll get to it uh, at, a, at some point. But for me, right now, I guess I can't say no disrespect to the Eagles because I'm about to disrespect the Eagles. But it's the Niners. I just yes, think that I, I if think they can get that if they can get that if they can get that running back room back to relative health. I know what is it? Elijah Mitchell's six to eight weeks, so it'll be a minute for him. But there's so much depth there. If CMC can stay healthy. If Jimmy can keep pulling the right strings. Uh, if the Niners are like healthy, the they should go to the, at the right moment. If the Niners are yeah, healthy, I, I would not bet against them in the playoffs. I would pick them to go to the Super Bowl. And that's a, it's not disrespect to the Eagles. I think it's just a Niners team that started slow and is getting rolling. And I don't think that's necessarily a knock on the Eagles. It's there. It's a, it's not unfair to say the Eagles have played a pretty easy schedule so far and they've taken advantage of it pretty much to the fullest extent, but I don't think they've played a team like the Niners, especially a team like that, that has the playoff experience now added Christian McCaffrey. Like I think that's the NFC favorite at this point, if they stay slash get healthy. Uh, completely agree with you, Matt. Let's dive into some of these buyer sells here. If you want to lead us off on the Bears front, uh, yeah, I got a Bears one for you. I've Big been thinking out of the South Side. Okay, go ahead. I, we'll get to the we'll get to baseball. <laughs> that might almost be a hashtag grievance for me too. Um, well, I do want to lead off with the Bears, and I'm going to stick with the draft talk because they did get number two. They moved up to the number two draft pick with the Panthers putting a beat down on the Broncos. We'll get to the Broncos later with my lock, Sam Darnold, and the Panthers taking care of business easily against Denver. Um, but that win and the Bears loss vaulted them to number two in the draft. I want to ask you, buy or sell, if the Bears are picking second, they should trade back no matter what. Um, I would sell it because where are you trading back to? Three? Four? Mm-hmm. How far are you going to trade back and still guarantee yourself Will Anderson? defensive edge it's it's sort of like you're taking the you're taking a chance you're sort of assessing other franchises draft approach because yeah there's really i was laughing about it with my dad but it's, it's pretty true there's three there's three approaches you draft need base you draft best available and you draft bama those are the those are the three approaches at the nfl draft two of those three two of those three things can can take Will Anderson off the board and you can't have it. So like yeah. how much can you maximize? Let's say you are, let's say it's Houston at one, us at two, Cincy, excuse me, not Cincy, uh, Carolina at three. And you know, Carolina's not taking an edge rusher somehow, some way, you know, they're not taking an edge rusher. You move back to three and pick up a pick in the fifth. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like if that's, if that's on the table, but I don't see you taking any move back to six, seven and still landing the guy that you want. If you've identified um, the lineman from Northwestern or another offensive lineman as your target in the first round and that there isn't a focus or love goggles for Will Anderson, well, then we have enough, We have to have another conversation about my, my disagreement with how you're assessing the talent. Like, I think that when you're talking about home runs, hit or miss, like high ceiling, low floor guys, a filling need. It is a Bama player. It is the best available. Like that's mm-hmm. he, he checks all three boxes. So let's say you do have your eyes on offensive line and you're not even thinking edge rusher. Then yes, maybe you do draft back. But I completely disagree with that. So I'd sell it completely on on moving back from there. It's a long wait from pick number two to pick number. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where this Ravens team lands because. While they did look strong, um, they do lose last week, mm-hmm. and there are some 
real holes in what they're capable of and, and how they stack up against the AFC. It's sort of a can beat anybody, can lose to anybody team, and I'm not sure that they're very good. So regardless, it's going to be a long wait to that second pick. So if you are trying to maximize and get another pick in between there, you're going to be taking a big step back from number two. If you're trading out of two to 12, and then you have another one early second because of moving that far back, you're playing a different game. I think we need elite talent on this roster and you only find elite talent. You only find sure thing elite talent in the first 40 picks of the draft. Like, yes, you're going to hit on guys further down. I mean, you take a look at some of the receiver mm. classes. Players you can't, that have you come can't out, bank out of the fifth round. It's just, you can't bank on. We need, we need those high floor guys and the floor starts getting lower and lower and lower. The deeper you go into the draft. I like picking as early as possible in this draft. I would not, I would trade back provided I'm, well, I guess you're going to know who's behind you and kind of what they're targeting, but provided I can stay in the top five, because I'm going to, I like your draft theory of draft need, draft talent, draft Bama, but I'm also going to add on to draft Bama slash Georgia, because I think Georgia's getting to that point and Georgia defense is getting to that point. And I love Will Anderson and edge rusher is absolutely a need. And if that's who they, if they have two and they pick Will Anderson, I will be first in line to go get a Will Anderson Jersey and be pumped about it. But if they trade back to four, say Carolina's at four and Seattle's at three and they're worried, uh, you know, Seattle's going to take CJ Stroud and they want to trade up and give you an extra first round pick. I will happily drop back to four, take Jalen Carter and the extra first round pick and yeah. go ahead and grab that too. Because I, obviously edge rusher is the more premierly uh, premier position than three technique, but three technique, mm-hmm. if you have a game changer, a disruptor, a three technique, that goes a real long way in your defense, especially with, with what Matt Eberflus wants to do and freeing up the linebackers. So I think that's a game changer as well. So I'm with you. I'm not trading back no matter what, but yeah. if I can stay in the top five, get an extra first and a little bit more. And I think if you, you can, given what people have traded up for, for quarterbacks, you can get an extra first round pick from that and you can get Jalen Carter. I would, I think I would do that in a heartbeat, but I'm also, if he, if the Bears have two and the Panthers have three, interested to see if Ryan Poles can kind of like bluff his way into trading back one pick with the Panthers knowing they're not going to take quarterback. Be like, yeah, you know, I got other teams calling me. See if, you know, Ryan Poles can kind of pull a John Lynch over Ryan Pace and, and get the yep. Panthers to trade up to two and maybe bump back that one pick. But like there's teams gonna that be a number really, two that might take the guy that you want. Um, yeah. It's very interested thing. to see, interesting to see how they handle that because they're going to be in the top three. I, I mean, I would be very shocked. If, top four, I think, at the worst. I don't think they're dropping out of that. I, agree. I can't see them winning more than at most one football game the rest of the way. Now, if I if I may take the bonehead approach here as well. Sure. And I don't even hey, know we can be a so meatball pod. Bonehead approach, maybe the 670 caller approach here. Meatball. Uh, the yeah. ESPN 1000 caller approach here. Um, You're Bob we're from due, We're due for the next guy. And I know we've been spoiled with like not just franchise, like Bears franchise quality defenses, mm-hmm. but like historical defenses in our short time as Bears fans relative to the relative to the history of the franchise, the charter franchise. We have only seen so much and we've seen defensive greatness. And I think that, yes, we need to move into this era of offense, but Still got to play. Defense. We need we need the defender to hang our hat on. We need the and this is going to be a lofty. These are lofty names to put out in front of even a Will Anderson. But 
we're due for our next Urlacher. We're due for our next Samurai Mike. We're due for our next Butkus. We're due. We're due for a generational defender. Mm-hmm. And I, I know he's gone, and it might seem knee jerk, but Roquan was never that. Roquan. Was no, he was a, right just a, below a, that. Great. In certain spaces and coverage, was mm-hmm. was a fantastic player. He's no longer on the roster. He, maybe he could have developed to that, but we need a game changer on the defensive side that no matter how things are going on the offensive side of the ball, we can always turn to it and say, Hey, this defense is so good that they might be able to score points. They're going to take the ball away. They're going to stifle run games. They're going to take the ball away in the secondary. Like we, maybe we have some signs of that in secondary with Eddie Jackson having a little resurgence this year Mm -hmm. and the youth and Gordon and Brisker and a couple of guys on the outside. What we are lacking is that edge rusher line backer hang your hat on put him on the promotional posters it just feels like it feels like the player and the fit are so well aligned that if it means bluffing your way out of will anderson i I just can't get on board with it i you know i'm i'm I'm, i could not agree with you more and that's why i I, if you asked me this a month ago i probably would have told you we're trading back no matter what because somebody's going to give you a king's ransom for that first round pick but i've very much changed my tune to you only trade out of that pick if you are 110 percent certain you are still coming away with will anderson or jalen carter that is my only that that's how i'm trading and if i'm not if i'm only 95 percent certain i'm going to run to the podium i'm going to take will anderson i'm never going to look back and I mean, we could be five years from now and it could be Jalen Carter and it could be apparent that he's the better player between the two. Like who knows? But mm. I, I'm, I think we're, I think we're saying a lot of the same things right yes. now uh, in, in regards to the bears. Would you like, would you like a buy or sell on the bears? Yeah. You, like you give me whatever more? you want. You take, you take this. Well, we're, it's just a very much just a give and take. You, you want to keep going bears. If you got a good uh, to one, to be honest with that's you, that's fine to too. You, you got anything else? That's fine as well. I'm a little, I'm a little bared out right now. And that's I think fine. That, that my, my initial question sort of lets you know where I'm at on this team. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I can't, I don't have it in my heart of hearts to root against them. I understand the value of them losing. Um, I, I have, it's much easier to watch them lose with Trevor Simeon on the field than with Justin Fields on the field. Um, but we're going to have to deal with all of those different emotions moving forward. Mm-hmm. Let's keep this thing rolling because uh, having to deal with some emotions on the South side that maybe I wasn't ready for uh, Jose Abreu went yeah. into his free agency. We heard just about nothing. And yes, you are talking about a player, I believe 36, 35. I think he's 35 on the birth certificate. He's probably 37, 38 would be my guess. Whatever the case may be an aging player who's still producing at a very high level. Um, I'm trying to phrase this as a buy or sell. I just don't know why we didn't hear a damn thing about the White Sox being in contact, trying to get a deal done with Jose, or even the White Sox are moving on from Jose Abreu. We heard nothing. So, Matt, buy or sell the handling of Jose Abreu over the last week and a half? I don't know. Like, I, it, he said in his press conference, like, what do you know? Sox what do you know him? that I don't know? I don't what, know. What, what, I, the Sox, uh, yeah, he's, why, he why says there's the no news about this. It's like, we wake up and Jose Abreu is a Houston Astro. Well, there there was news about this. It was, I mean, since the last game of the regular season, it was the worst kept secret that the Sox were not really intending on bringing Jose Abreu back. And pretty much everybody, without saying it, made it pretty well known that he was going to be pursuing elsewhere. And maybe there's a deal to be had, but it was pretty much well known that for some reason it was just the time was done. And you know what? I, you see the contract he got from Houston. That's that's a that's a contract with a team in Houston that is that piece away from 
being an even better team than they Way were again. last year. So, <laughs> so like that, like that's, that's what they needed. That was their piece. So they went out, they went out and got a guy who's going to be really good next year, probably overpaid for the last year of the contract, but that's what you do with it. If you're a team like Houston, the Sox, I get it. They have money. They need to, they, they need to go address other needs. And as, as good as Jose Abreu is, they need help elsewhere in the roster. And you cannot bring back the log jam at first base DH and have, two first basemen playing a corner outfielder position. So if you want to let Andrew Vaughn, you know, be the everyday first baseman, they believe it's going to help his offense too. And quite honestly, I think that probably does help his offense too. not having to worry about playing the outfield every day. I think that helps him playing at first base. That said, I would be so much more okay with this. If I knew that that $20 million was going towards Carlos Rodon or I don't pick, then maybe not Trey Turner, but like, uh, a Dansby Swanson type offer or an outfielder yeah. who I can't think of off the top of my head. What pisses me off is that this money is going to go to three or four, $6 million guys that aren't very good and are going to be below replacement play, replacement level players. And maybe you hit on one of them. That's what they're going to do yeah, because that's what the white Sox always do. And you have the Phillies who signed Bryce Harper two years ago, they signed Schwarber last year. They signed Zach Wheeler three years ago. And now this morning they're uh, J- MLB networks reporting. They're the front runners for Trey Turner. All they do is spend money. The Dodgers are going after Justin Verlander. The white Sox are letting their face of the franchise for the last 10 years walk away. Okay. But they're going to go ahead and spend that money on three. They're going to spread that money across bottom of the roster players and say, we spent the money. We spent the money. See, we did it. We spent the money. No, you didn't. You went out and you efficiently quote unquote spent $20 million instead of overpaying for a guy that can actually help your team right now in a window when you need it. So that's kind of what pisses me. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't I, know I if I bought you. or sold. I think I sell how they handled it then. <laughs> that's it. That's uh, okay. Let me give you question. a more of a black and white. Let me give you a, let me give you more of a black and white. Uh, buy or sell the the everyday answer at first base is on the roster right now. I buy it. I do. Buy, I think Andrew Vaughn's going. Like, he's been good the last couple of years. He was a very consistent yeah. hitter. He was a patient hitter the last couple of years. One of the few on the roster. Like I think the manager decision is a good one. You talked about how uh, I think a couple when they hired Pedro Griffol that you know, friend of the podcast, the Kansas City Royals second baseman Nicky Lopez said, "Guys love him. He's a, he's a very good manager. I think they're making good hires with mm-hmm. the staff." I just don't like I, I I don't buy what they're going to do to complement the roster, but I do think Andrew Vaughn is going to benefit from not having to worry about playing right field or left field, just being the everyday first baseman where he's played his entire career. I think that's going to be very helpful for him. I think he's going to keep betting, getting better. I think he's a professional first baseman and a really, really good one for the next 10 years. All right. I believe you. I'll take your word for it. And I'm going to hold it against you if it doesn't go well. That's, you know what? That's totally fair. That's what we do on this pod. We're accountable. <laughs> we hold each other accountable for our errors in judgment. Um, all right, what, let's go. Let's, let's go with the bulls. Okay. What do I want to say here with the bulls? It's sort of where they're at right now. Yeah. Um, like I believe current 12 seed in the East, but everything was they're play, separated they're playing, by yeah. five games. Buy or sell, and it's hard. To, buy or sell a healthy Lonzo makes this team a contender in the East. 
Uh, bye. I'm, I'm talking I, about like I, a healthy, healthy Lonzo. I, I don't know if we're going to get it. And I'm talking about, a, and I'm talking about a real freaking contender because yeah. outside of Boston and I'll say Milwaukee, just because of the roster makeup, it's still championship caliber. But outside of that, that nobody's nobody. Uh, Philly, I've watched a good amount of because we always have them on in the newsroom. We got a lot mm-hmm. of Philly people. Great when Embiid's out there. It doesn't look like this is going to be a sixty-five game season for Embiid. It looks like it's going to be in and out with foot injuries. And when he's out there, he's dominant. Nobody's going to stop him. But does that type of offense, stop ball offense, win in the playoffs and in championships? I don't think so these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, they're dangerous if they figure it out. I don't think there's enough shooters there. I don't think there's enough defense there. Um, the Knicks don't scare me a whit. The Hawks don't scare me a whit. Toronto's always pesky. They're always coached to their ceiling. Um, so they're going to be t- – but, like, outside of Milwaukee and Boston, I think that it's wide freaking open. And we showed that we can beat Milwaukee. I mean, we just can't we're – we're coming off of wins over both, I believe, in the last yeah. 10 days. Yep. Uh, they won three um, out of the last four back-to-back Boston-Milwaukee. Three of the last four with wins over Boston, uh, Milwaukee, and Utah. So – that's that's impressive basketball right there. If you add more guard play to it, if you add a guy like Lonzo and Lonzo can play at a level that we saw last season, I have no I have no hesitation believing that we could beat Boston in a seven game series. I do still hesitate that we could beat Milwaukee in a seven game series because of who Giannis is and the way he can take over games. Respect to Jason Tatum, he can't take over a game the way that Giannis. No can. one in the league can, um, like Giannis, maybe outside of Durant. So I, I just don't think we match up great with the Bucks. I think we match up fine with the Celtics. And if those are the two teams between us and representing the Eastern Conference, yes, I can buy the fact that we are a real contender with Lonzo on this team. I can yeah. buy the fact that we're a pretty solid contender without him. The way they're playing now, they're they're starting to buy in a little bit more, and I, it's not. It's not coincidental that it's co- going coming hand in hand at the time where Patrick Williams seems to be getting more comfortable within himself, comfortable within his game, and a little bit more confident. He's taking more shots. He's still never going to lead the team in shots. He's not going to be a 12-shot-a-game guy, but he's going from three to four shots a game to seven or eight shots a game, and he's feeling a little more comfortable. He's starting to hit those shots. If he can kind of develop into that guy, if you get Lonzo back, and I will say I, I do think they – I like Andre Drummond. I think he's really a backup center and grabs a bunch of boards – they need to get like a true second unit rim defender, like a guy that's like when they had Daniel Tice for the half a season, like they need to go get a guy that's a, just a, he's a badass in the paint. Like he he can be a Giannis, Mm -hmm. not necessarily stopper, but make Giannis think twice and maybe, you know, hack him a couple times coming in hard. That's I think those are the two missing pieces. And luckily one of them is on the roster. They just need his need to magically get healthy, which it hasn't been for a year now. Yeah. I, um, I think that that's a good, like as many bodies as you can throw at Giannis in those yep. moments is, is your best chance. So, um, no, I, I buy into the pieces. I buy into the makeup. I buy into the coach. Apparently, the franchise did as well. Yeah, with, I uh, like seeing they extended him. He's, he's a very good NBA coach in the offseason. But that's how they always the Bulls always seem to do things that way. Funky. It's kind of yeah. strange, but whatever. I'm fine. Uh, Matt, let's take it. Let's take also it to the shameless other Bulls plug. If you're if you're looking to listen to Bulls broadcast, uh, six seventy the score. Alyssa Bergman, he does a great job on the pregame and postgame show. Just throwing that one out there. Oh no. Uh, let's keep it moving to the other resident of the Madhouse on Madison and, uh, 
I, I, I'm going to struggle here to put together a buy or sell. I'll be honest. Sure. I haven't watched more than 12 minutes total of Blackhawks hockey this season, but uh, I'm looking at seven consecutive losses and 11 yeah. of their last 13 the wrong way. Oh, yeah, it's um, happening. <laughs> man, buy or sell, the Blackhawks are picking first overall in next year's draft. Uh, I buy that they're going to be because they do like the they're going to have the best. Okay, buy or sell, they have the best odds. The best odds to pick first overall. Oh, they'll be in the top two. It's uh, the Sharks okay. are really bad this year. I mean, <laughs> but like, it's this year is going to be tough to watch. And I'm going to go as often as I can, or not as often as I can, but a couple times before the trade deadline to see Kane to see Taves. I'm not sure if they're going to go as often as your mind allows but, you. Yeah, but like the, the tickets are cheap. Like I, those guys are still really good at hockey and fun to watch when they're on the ice. But yeah, they're probably going to be there. But you know what? Like that's what like, similar to the Bears. Like they're a year behind them because if they get that one or two pick, they get their Justin Fields. Like there are two guys, Connor Bedard is like the, <laughs> uh, he's considered to be like kind of the next, like actual, like Connor McDavid type. And there's another guy, Adam Fantilli, uh-huh. who's going to be behind him. That's like a generational good type name. talent too. That is a good name. And honestly, that sounds like a, a Chicago Blackhawk, like legend. It's, it's a perfect name for Southside meatballs to butcher the last name and mispronounce too. Um, no, 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 no. They'll nail Fantilli. They'll nail, they'll nail Fantilli. Fantilli gets a beef over <laughs> Portillo's. He likes, he likes them dipped. Um, no, but like there's, there's two guys that can be like the next great NH, like next big NHL superstar. So it's, it's putting mm-hmm. them in a good spot. And they were obviously Kyle Davidson was left in a brutal spot. Thanks to Stan Bowman's cap management and roster management, but they're doing this the right way. And as, as painful as this year is like, it's the start of a promising rebuild. They have some, some pieces that look good in the preseason that it, when now obviously sent back to junior, but looking good there too. Like they're, they're going about this the right way. And this year is going to suck, but know that it's building towards something. It's, it's about similar to watching the bears. Like, Hey, we think Braxton Jones is the thing. We're watching the Blackhawks. Like, Hey, um, Arvid Soderblom, the goalie, like he looks like he could be a thing next year. Like you can be confident bringing him back as a guy. Like it's just about finding the pieces this year. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to pose the Cubs question here too, because I know you're far more tapped in uh, than I am uh, on all things Chicago sports, but specifically sure. uh, a couple of my current blind spots. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of chatter this off season about the fact that like, yeah, it's a rebuild. Maybe it's more of a retool than more than a rebuild. They were mentioned and have been mentioned. And I think continue to be mentioned around the biggest names in free agency, i.e. Aaron judge, um, buy or sell the Cubs are actual big name buyers this off season. I would like to buy it because they've been telling you for the last two years now, two off seasons when Correa signed with the twins Mm -hmm. that, Oh, we're going after Carlos Correa. So I'd like to buy it. Um, the Hayward money's off the books and it seems like a lot like they're not paying Contreras big money anymore. Like I would like to think that they, think they're in a big spot. The Ricketts haven't spent money the last couple of years, but also a lot of that big money's off the book. So I, I do think they're going to be in the mix for, I don't think judge, but I think one of the big shortstops, I, I think they will be linked to Carlos Correa. Um, talked about Trey Turner. looks like he might be headed out East again, but like, I think there'll be a player for one of those big shortstops because not, they got to pay him money, but 
if you're on the north side and you get a Carlos Correa, Carlos Correa's jersey is going to be your top seller for the night, for the duration of that contract and still sell good beyond. So I think they see that as not only an investment on the field, but a, a marketing investment well, because you saw how good Rizzo Bryant Baez jerseys did like that. That's an investment for them too. So that's why I think now that the money's off the books, they see that as a long-term investment and somebody that helps them win baseball games. I do think they're going to be in for, for one of the big shortstops. Whether or not they get them, I'm not sure, but they're going to be in the mix. That's and that's it. You can you can at least sell to a fan base that we tried, um, hey, which is the White Sox a, have been doing a it sad, for years. A sad reality of uh, non-target uh, uh, being a non-target destination that mm-hmm. Chicago has apparently co- become in in all sports. This has been a depressing podcast. <laughs> you wanted to do it this way. What do you got? For <laughs> I, you? No, you know it's not. We got bear, bears are bears are in a good spot. They're going forward. The bulls we like where they're at. The other three are you know it's just whatever. Um, uh, let's get outside of city limits here. A lot going on in the world of sports, Matt. Uh, CFP picture kind of coming into focus. Uh, conference championship weekend will likely decide the four seed. Maybe it won't, depending if TCU and USC both lose. If one loses, if neither loses. Um, unbelievable outcome. Maybe not unbelievable outcome, but unbelievable final box score in Columbus last week. There's apparently still a road that Ohio State gets in. Um, Matt, buy or sell that our current AP top four, and even buy or sell that our current CFP, probably a little bit more indicative, top four are the four teams in the playoff seven days from now. Man. I I would like to buy it because I think USC is going to beat Utah. I think I think Utah is a good football team, but I think USC is clicking now, and they, they lost a tough game on the road to Utah. I think they get the revenge. I would like to. They were think, impressive against Notre Dame. I see in that. They game. were. They were. Caleb Williams because I was talking to a friend of the podcast and sometimes co-host of the podcast Phil Goff, and we're watching that game. Is like. Not even really that mad. Like Notre Dame's playing well, but they just don't have Caleb Williams. They have Drew Pine, and Caleb yeah. Williams is just like, the best quarterback in the country right now. That's, there's nothing you can do about Drew it. Drew Pine is just going to put the ball on the ground and give it to the other team once again. Yeah, game. like that, 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 that's the thing. a thing. Like it's, <laughs> it happened, and like you couldn't even be that mad about it. Like if Caleb Williams plays like he has the last two weeks, USC is going to win. I would like to think that TCU is in no matter what. That even if they lose, and now, and if they lose by three touchdowns to Kansas State, okay, maybe not. But I would like to think okay. that provided they don't get blown out, that they will be in. But I'm worried that they're not going to be. I'm worried that the seeds are being planted for Ohio State to yet again, like they did in year one of the college football playoff, if you remember, jump TCU. And I, I don't think if you. I, you can't say no to a conference championship game and you have to go play it, but it's also an extra game. And at this point, an extra data point for you to back yourself out of a playoff. If you're a USC, hopefully not TCU, but like if TCU's name was Texas or Oklahoma right now, there wouldn't be a discussion. They'd be, we, the top three would be locks to make it win or lose. And it'd be whether or not USC wins or Ohio state jumps them. I think TCU should be in no matter what, regardless of loss, but I think the seeds are being planted for Ohio state to jump them, even though Ohio state, just absolutely shit the bed at home against their biggest rival (laughs) and by far their biggest chance to prove something. I think Penn state being bumped up to eight is a, you know, a resume booster for Ohio state. I am worried that that's what's going to happen. 
Because I think ESPN's um, dream college football playoff is, you know, Georgia, Ohio State, USC, Michigan. Yeah, and it just it's not always going to be that way. And I think it's another case to be made that if you really want to get those teams in, the quicker we expand to a larger format, the better. Um, yeah. Because then they can play their way through that and, and you, you extend the drama and you extend um, – you know, the, the, the mileage on these kids' bodies, there's pluses and minuses to the whole thing. But um, I don't know. I think we're going we're gonna to end up with something similar to what we're looking at right now. And I'm not sure that it produces the most competitive postseason football. I think that regardless of who you put up there and who could give them the best game and who matches up the best, it's, it's the dogs for me right now. I mean, yeah, right maybe, now you're... maybe USC has the firepower to – gash that defense and make a game out of it. But outside of that, I'm not seeing a matchup that really scares me putting somebody up against Georgia. No, because I mean, like Michigan played a nice game against Ohio state, but they're going to try and do the same thing that Georgia does. And we saw it's obviously different. They're different teams from last year, but we saw that last year and Georgia is Michigan. Just- Michigan wants to, Michigan made it very clear as did Ohio state, Ohio state wanted to play seven on seven and Michigan wanted to get into a boxing ring and fight you. And that's great. But if Michigan gets into a boxing ring and tries to fight Georgia, yep. I, I'm not sure that that, that, that bout goes the same way. That's, that's the only, I really the only do hang think, up that I have on this. I really do. Now I, I don't think Georgia's as good as last year. I do think it's Georgia and everybody else this year, but I know we've talked about the 12 team playoff and I know earlier on you weren't as, um, as big of a fan it's of it. And it's much. probably, it's probably a year to year thing, like whether or not it would be competitive. But like we talked about how it could create some more parity and how NAL might create a little bit more parity in college football. I don't know if this year is an outlier, but beyond Georgia this year, like a 12-team playoff, I don't know who wins any of those matchups. Obviously, we saw Penn State lose to Michigan and Ohio State, <laughs> yeah. but like Tennessee beat Alabama. Like Alabama's not the Alabama we know this year. Could Utah beat Tennessee? Sure. Could Utah beat TCU? Probably. On LSU's best day, can they beat Michigan? Maybe. Like, this is actually a perfect year for a 12-team playoff because, like, yeah, most years you're going to have the top three, the Georgias and the Alabamas, just roll through everybody. I don't think that would necessarily happen this year because I think after Georgia, there's a shit ton of parity in college football, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, I think that that's, that's more than a fair assessment of – uh, where it stands and maybe some of the uh, entertainment value that a year like this could provide in a larger format. But I think it's going to be pretty, pretty cut and dry here with just four teams. Yeah, I think, it probably, I think you're probably right. And I think at the very least we see three of the four that are in the college football playoff now in the college football playoff after this weekend. Um, I, I got to go. I, I want to ask you about the World Cup, but like I don't really know how to phrase that into a big, buyer sell question. Buyer sell guy. America? Uh, always buy. Well, it's always uh, a buy, even in soccer. Do you guys have so- you guys do you have some soccer coverage over there? I'm sure you do. Um, yes, sense. we have a whole team that does it, so I haven't but, had to uh, uh, really get myself up to speed watching it and enjoying it as a fan, as a as a supporter, as a uh, what, what's the what's the soccer term? Uh, um, uh, supporter. Support. I think it might be supporter. Sure. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, supporter. If buy or sell, we beat the Dutch on Saturday. 
I'm always Bye. buying. Um, what are we minus? Or excuse me, we're plus three thirty underdogs, I believe, or something to yeah. the effect. Um, the draw is even a big plus number. I think at plus two thirty. Yeah, uh, the another duck. one's like minus one ten. I think on the money line or something. And that's yeah. fine. It's going to be great. It's going to be a fun watch. Hopefully, we don't let them net one early and play from behind, and it just be like pulling teeth. Like hopefully, it's tight late, and we can get it to PKs or whatever the case may be, whatever our road to victory is, that's what I'm pulling for, obviously. But like, I think you have to take a step back from the situation. And I know it's sort of a, a loser's mentality, a soccer mentality, but the simple fact that we can walk away from this World Cup and claim that of all the nations in the world that claim this to be their game, the world's game, uh, the game that defines generations and brings people together and uh, unifies across country lines and everybody does it except the United States and this is the one place that we have an advantage on them or whatever the case may be, forget it. We're one of the top 16 sporting nations in the world when it comes to this game that we just started playing in that it's it's uh the the formation of that game in this country is in its infancy compared to the rest of the world and we are one of the top 16 footy nations in the world i think is something uh, to, to hang our hats on regardless of how it goes against the dutch or anything beyond that getting out of group play is huge this is a this is a collection of 20 somethings. And when I say 20 somethings, they're all 20. Like there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's promise in this group moving forward. And there's uh, a lot to be excited about. If you can get excited about soccer and the beautiful game, this is a team that I think that we can be very proud of in what they've already accomplished and taking us to that echelon of expectation is to get out of group play and be one of the 16, 10, five, four, as you continue to climb that power ranking, it becomes more and more real that we do soccer too now. And I think that that's something nice to feel. Yeah. It's nice. Like one of my uh, coworkers is like a huge, huge soccer fan. And he had a tweet that I didn't realize when he saw the starting 11 for the Iran game that like first, like the United Iran. States had a had, Iran, whatever, uh, losers, if more like it, please don't listen <laughs> to this podcast. I hope I didn't just start a nuclear war. Um, <laughs> we had, but the United States had a starting 11 that did not consist of one MLS player, like all yeah. dudes, like in the international leagues, like in better, like that's, I feel like a step up and you have, like you were saying, like, this is kind of the group that's probably the group, not only for the next world cup, but the one after that too. Like it's a, Moving on to the group stage, it's huge. It's huge. It's experience. And now you're kind of just like the young team that maybe made the playoffs a little bit too early. And now this is kind of just bone, like everything you get here is just like a bone, like bonus, nice run. Let's see what you can kind of do. But this is like the next two World Cups. You're going to kind of see the same team with hopefully maybe a few added better pieces sprinkled in here and there. So it's fun to watch. The, the end of the Iran game was not fun to watch. That was like, the, the last nine minutes of stoppage time, which and is that's where like you, just stop you gotta, the clock when there's an injury. I get it. It's not the rules, but just, stop I don't, I don't so like, I don't get That's not what I don't get. What I don't get is the tactics of soccer, the mentality and the tactics of yep. we scored one pack it in and now try and survive. Possess the freaking ball on the other side of the half mile, the 50, I was going to say, but on the other side of mid On the other side, no, it's, it's the 50. It's the 50. Possess the ball in your own end. Possess the ball somewhere. Like, stop trying to play this, like, uh, waste time, knock it out of bounds, 
muck it up in the middle. Like you're providing so many stoppages and set pieces and opportunities yeah. from the corner and opportunities for them to throw balls in the middle. Like what I, I'm sure I know less than uh, Greg Berhalter. I'm sure I know less than the decision makers for the United States soccer federation, but what, why isn't there more of an aggression? Not, not even to score. I'm not saying I score 15 goals, but score the first goal. Obviously you look for the second goal, but even from the 70th minute on, when you're holding that one goal lead, why not? I'll, I'll stop before saying, keep your foot on the pedal, but why not possess the ball in space? Like there's at least there's such a willingness, such a willingness to just play just defense from that point yeah. on. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And I was thinking the same thing yesterday. It's, I don't know if it's just because like American soccer for so long has been inferior in terms of like high end talent that their best chance at winning those games is like holding leads because they're a little bit stronger defensively. I don't really know. But yeah, that was very frustrating because like I'm not saying like go all out and only have three defenders back and, you know, you know put on, put on the full court press offensively, but like it was like in midfield instead of trying to possess it moving forward. It was just like, eh, just kick it back. Just get back to them. Like, no, just like, I mean, look at the, the first ball. 60, look at the first 60 minutes of that game. We completely dictated where and when the play was happening. Iran was completely, or Iran was completely outmatched. Couldn't, couldn't even get the ball into our zone. Like it, mm-hmm. it just felt like we could do what we wanted. And then we elected to do something different. But again, Tactically, I'm, I'm sure it's well over my head. Let's keep rooting for this team. Let's hope they continue to um, make us proud and and pull off an upset or two here and uh, really feel good about ourselves. And we can be a top eight nation in soccer, a top four nation, go. dare I say. Could you imagine? We'll see. Got to get past the Dutch. And and in the and in the wise words of uh, Austin Powers' father, there's only two things in this world that I can't stand: people that are intolerant of other people's cultures and, and the, the Dutch. Dutch. And with and that, that's, that's where we'll leave our soccer coverage here on the Moose and Roots podcast, episode 277. Again, the Moose and Roots parlay hit last week. You had Denver something Denver, under? Denver, Carolina correct? under 36 and a half. Got a little dicey I at had the end, the but Vikings, not really. I had the Vikings laying the two and a half on Thanksgiving Day. That was years ago, but it's a winner nonetheless. This week, Matt, where are you taking us? Uh, back to the Denver Broncos. Um, it's wild that the unders, this their team total unders as low as it is, but I don't see them scoring more than 14 points. So I'm going to take their team total under 14 and a half. Yeah, that's one that you, uh, I think. If I lose that one, I'm okay with it. You. Yeah, it's like gonna, I'm okay with it. It's going to bite you. It's going to bite you at some point, but. Like you said, that's one you can live with. And when it does bite you, you jump it off, but you don't jump off until it bucks you, I think is sort of the approach with Broncos under anything right now. So I do like that play. Matt currently sitting at a sterling seven and five after last week's win. I remain a game back. Can't can't draw even with a kid. Six and six on the season with the win. Uh, And I'm going to give you Casey Lang to in Cincinnati. I know Cincinnati is one of the hotter teams. I know Jamar Chase is coming back, but I think that this is – a little bit of a reactionary uh, line here with how much momentum Cincinnati does have. I just think you're not going to see Kansas city laying less than two in a game between now and the super bowl. And I'm taking this, I'm taking this opportunity, Kansas city laying a short number, best team in football. In my estimation, I don't care if you're home road laying two, Mm -hmm. I'm scooping up the chiefs laying that two on the road against Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati. Is that one where I could see them coming up short and playing from behind the whole game and sort of pushing their food around how they have the tendency to do at times? Maybe, but I think how tight the, the picture is at the top of the AFC right now will keep them engaged. I think they come away with a win and sort of uh, – stifle some of this momentum Cincinnati has right now. Yeah, I'm I'm look, I'm really looking forward to that game. I think that one's going to be a fantastic football game that Kansas City probably wins, but I think you see some offensive fireworks from from Cincinnati too. That one should be a whole lot of fun. Uh, those are your locks of the week, Matt. Uh, before we say goodbye here, I know we didn't do our normal NFL whip around here. Is, uh, we had a little bit of a, a speed bump in the season when it comes to the Bears and might have just put us off the scent, but maybe do you have any any grand takes, any any uh, any large statements to make regarding yeah. the NFL right now? I feel like we finally do know who is who and what is what, and I think you can make some of those um, sort of proclamations. I think last week we offered an updated uh, an updated Super Bowl preview, or uh, did did we not last week? Did we? I don't think we did. I mean, I no. would update it now. I would take Tampa out of it because I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl. Give me, give me your updated, give me your updated final four. What, what are uh, the matchups? What are the? I, I'll let you think why. about it. I'll let you Go think ahead. about it because for me, it's San Francisco, Philly in the NFC, and in the AFC, it's Kansas City, Miami. I'm not going to be one of these teams that completely throws out the Bills. I think they're very dangerous. I'm just. Worried about Josh Allen's health. I'm worried about some of the things that they're incapable of doing on the defensive side. I'm worried about the health of Von Miller, obviously. Um, I got Kansas City and Miami. This is more of a pro-Miami take than it is an anti-Buffalo take. But it's Kansas City, Miami, San Francisco, Philly. Your Super Bowl is going to be a rematch. Kansas City versus San Francisco. Yeah, I'm... um... I'm going to go down with the ship in terms of having the Bucks still in the final four. I'm going to go Tampa. San, I'm going to go Tampa, Tampa, San Francisco, and the NFC. Uh, I'm I'm going to stick stick with Buffalo, KC. I think Buffalo figures it out. I, I really do. I think that. I mean, like talk figuring out like they're still winning football games. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. There's I think no... Josh Allen's elbow is going to get better. It, I mean, I don't, like if he's playing with it now, it can't get much worse. Yeah. Um, so I think they're going to be improving. Um, and I, I like Buffalo and San Francisco in a Super Bowl. I like that as well. Um, I think that it's going to be, speaking of parity at the collegiate level, I think some of the parity in the top third of the league right now is going to make for a lot of drama, as it always does, down the stretch and into the playoffs. Um, you just you just, you just, just jostled something loose in my brain. I wanted to ask you another question, but um, it, it escapes me right now. So we'll, 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 we'll dangle that out in front of the viewers for episode 278. But this has been the Moose and Runes podcast, episode 277, alongside Matt Rooney. I am Jim. I'm, who am I? You're Joe Musso. Yeah, you're that's, still Joe Musso. Right. That's right. Um, you know, I'm, st- I'm still trying to unearth whatever it was that you uh, that you brought to light, but it must not have been very important. <laughs> Matt, do, put me out of my misery here. Say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the state was phenomenal.